0: Oh man, we have been having an amazing, amazing time, have we not? Yes. That's just incredible, and uh, uh, nah, that looks too formal. Hey, um, I just want to just take a minute and just celebrate Norman and Marcy, just a second, you know, and honor them. Um, they haven't... They haven't had a big upfront role, but they have a very, very significant role in the forming of this family. I want you to know that. Uh, Norma's going to be preaching the Word of God Sunday tomorrow, and I'm telling you. So um, just in the rhythm of our life together at lunch and as we interact, I want you to seek them out and pull on the life of Jesus in them. They're they very, very seasoned leaders in the church. And we look to them as as not just friends, but we're uh, we're we're mutually accountable to one another and submitted to one another, and we're just we're just growing in love with each other. And we know that our our best days are yet to come. You know, we're just spring chickens in the kingdom. So we got a little mileage on us, but we that's actually good. That's our letters of recommendation. All the bad and the good. So I just love them. I love you guys, and I'm so honored that you're here. Your presence is just, you. just being in this room makes all the difference in the world. I just want you to know that. I'm very clear about that. Um, hey, all, everybody in the back, come on up. And um, I'm getting a little ring in here, Clayton. I need to move back a little bit. Okay. Okay. Um, Maybe just bring it, down, is, bring it down just a tad. It sounds a little echoey or a little, okay. I like to break out in song just because I have this reverb and it would make me sound better. But I don't, I, I'm a little deluded when it comes to my own singing. I think I'm more awesome than I am, so for sure. <laughs> yeah, in the shower I'm amazing, in the shower I'm amazing. Uh, how's that, we get it down just a little bit or, Okay we just have a, a little bit of time left this morning and I want to capitalize on the themes that have been happening here this week and what, what's going on and, and keep in the conversation of the Trinity okay so follow the follow the conversation just a minute remember now the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are talking they're three persons one God they're talking and they're talking about you literally they're having a conversation about you and about us and they have an agenda. Go figure. God has an agenda. He's got a game plan up his sleeve that, that he wants to unwrap to you and, sh- and reveal to you. And um, this game plan is very important that you sync your story with God's story. If you have an alternative story outside of God's story, you're living beneath the narrative that God has for you. And that's not, that's not good. You're falling short of the glory of God. You don't want to do that. So you want to enter into the narrative or the story of God over your life. How many of you understand that? Just So it's really important to say, Lord, give me the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Let me hear the conversation of the Trinity over my life and around the body of Christ. What are you saying to the church today? And how can I come into that story? There's a sound. We call it a sound coming out of heaven. There's a current or a river. And you can remain stagnated, and you know kind of in a pool of stagnation or you can get into a river and follow what God's doing and that now that's a little scary no question about it it's white waters and scary and crazy but it's also flowing rivers have life in them and stagnant water doesn't so you want to get into the rivers of living water so here's what I believe and you can test this up against scripture there's thousands of verses on this But here's what I believe God's talking about over you. First thing he's talking about is how in love are you with Jesus? Do you know him intimately for real? Are you communing with the indwelling Christ for real? Do you understand where he dwells in your human spirit and are is your spirit in communion with his spirit? And are you being animated by the indwelling Christ, Christ in you, your hope of glory? Colossians 1, 27. How white hot in love are you with this man Christ Jesus? You know, that's it. That's that's the first question. And and God, I'm telling you, He's very jealous for you to have this love affair with the Trinity with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And our hearts were wired for white hot. They were not wired for lukewarm. They were wired for passion. That's why you get really angry when you get angry, and that's why you get really depressed when you get depressed. I mean, the, the, the heart is not made for being dummied down into just a subsistence level. If it's down in ho that's not where your heart was made for it was way, made for passion you, how many of you understand what i just said like like and if you're dialed down it's because you're self-protecting so the first question god wants is would you open up your heart again and let me put a fire of love inside of you for me because i love you like that and i will always love you like that you can't change my emotions and my feelings about you And I think that we've got to know God at an emotional level. You know, God, I don't think it's emotionalism, okay? I think God's a total being. He's a spirit, soul, and body. But he's definitely emotional. To the point where he calls himself, one of his names is jealous. Like, I'm like, don't like it when you have other loves that upstage me. It's not like I'm down on money or anything, but if money upstages me, I'm kind of jealous about that because you're committing adultery, or if another person has more sway over your inner conversation than I do, I'm jealous. I don't like that. That's like, they have a position in your heart I, only I'm supposed to have. So God is really into you. Really into you. I mean, really into you. Now, I know how difficult that is when he's a spirit being and you can't see him with your naked eye. But the other realm is so real that if you open your spirit and touch the other realm, you will connect with Jesus. And we were never made to do the Christian life outside of Christ himself. It's not about rule keeping, and it's not about outward external duty. It's about an internal love affair that does bleed into our outer behavior. But we move from the inside out, not the outside in. So that's the first conversation. Second conversation is, are you profoundly, organically, deeply, covenantally related to my body? To the degree that if there's a cut, if there's a fracture, if there's a split, a division, you literally feel amputation is going on. You feel the absolute panic of divorce hitting you. Like the the idea of severing or separating is life and death to you because you know what? It is life and death. You can't just have Christ and not Christ's body. And the Western church doesn't know that very well. So the conversation of the Trinity is, have you found your people? Are you in heart-connected oneness? And no, they're not going to be perfect. And yes, they will be obnoxious. And they will be hard on the nerves. And no, they won't be emotionally intelligent all the time. And yes, they will hurt your feelings. And no, they won't always be sensitive. And yes, they do have a high dork factor. But, you know, did you pick your natural family? How many of you think that some of your natural relatives have a little bit of a dork factor? Have you been to a family reunion lately? I'm volunteering very quickly. Our our family reunions, you know, we need to hire shrinks to come to our family reunion. (laughs) <laughs> or therapist, or whatever. No, I mean, most family reunions, man, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's, it's not, I mean, it's like, get it over with. It's not a pleasant moment. Okay, so if you didn't get to pick your family naturally, you don't get to pick your family spiritually either, do you? I mean, I know you think you do. I know you think you can go church shopping, and you can, you can find the classiest preacher, and the fanciest building, and the best programs, and you can park your, 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 your heart there, But I'm going to tell you, in the end, something will go missing. Something won't be right. Because you're wired for white-hot love horizontally. And you can't play by your rules. By the Western church rules. By religious rules. You can't play by those rules. And have your heart be fully alive or transform into Jesus-likeness. So I'm sorry, you've got to find real apostles that are fathers and prophets and pastors and teachers, but more than that, you've got to find family. If if those people aren't family-type people, then they've got to to back into the revelation that God's a father and a son, and he builds his kingdom relationally and family, period, end of discussion. If God is going to be a father and a son, that tells you a lot about how he's going to build his kingdom in a family. You can't avoid this conversation you're going to be a son of God and be brought into glory you're going to have to be in a family it's not going to happen otherwise you can't be like Jesus without a bona fide legitimate God-ordained spiritual family of families called a tribe you can't you can't so plan B that was an invention of man the system of religion is not working beloved and you know why it's not working because it's not up close and uncomfortable It's, it's got a little bit of a buffer and an option of hiding. And that's, this is the hard conversation that we're going to have to have, a transformational conversation. I mean, all right, if that's true, then what do I got to do about this? Don't think you can have Jesus and not Jesus' body. You might, he might allow you to have a little honeymoon moment of a day or two or three, but honestly, every child like Evie is supposed to be born into a family at birth this isn't like a second option this is like bam bam (laughs) you get my point you're conceived in family your identity is forged in family you know who you are in family you know what your calling is in family you know how do you get a situation where you're groomed in family Bam, bam you're conceived in family there is not one thing separated from family reality if there is it's religious anything outside of that is religious it's a it's a plan b that in the end will not work i'm sorry you can't play it any safer anymore if you just heard this the third conversation god is having is how do i get you and jesus and jesus and me you know christ and you and you and christ to the point there's a white hot love affair how do i get you in christ's body and then how do i help you advance christ's kingdom effectually in your workplace in your neighborhood wherever you go. Those are the three themes of the Jesus gathering. Christ, just say Christ, it's powerful, you track what you talk about. Just say Christ. Every time you say the word Christ, you draw him closer. Because what you think about, meditate on, and communicate about, you attract. You can do the same with sin, right? Play around with your mind, get an imagination over into an evil place, and you will pull infidelity into your life or whatever so what you think about meditate on use your imagination for you draw closer to you so think on Jesus it says gaze on Christ he's the author and perfecter of our faith then we gaze on Christ's body and I have to look in you in the eye I need to open my heart to you I need to come into oneness of mind I need to see you by the Spirit, and not by your false self. I need a fellowship in the heavenly realms. That's where only fellowship takes place in the kingdom. So if I'm going to fellowship in the kingdom with Christ's body, here's what's got to happen. My true self needs to know your true self, and then I meet you in the other realm of heaven, and we live from heaven to earth. My primary point of relationship is not your personality. It's not your false self. It's not your weaknesses. It's your true self connecting with my true self in the heavenly realms around Jesus, who's the center of it. And in that place is true fellowship. You know, everybody thinks fellowship is having coffee and telling weird fish stories. No. Fellowship is around intimacy with Jesus in heaven, my true self communing with your true self. And there's an there's a connection in the spirit world, and we're exchanging the life of Christ. Have you ever been in a place where you're one with Jesus and one with Jesus' people, your heart's wide open, and you feel the shimmering, plasmic, jelly-like substance of Jesus getting exchanged? And you feel the river, the flow, the affection, the love. Have you ever been in that place? What happened to you? Huh? oh, You felt joy. You felt tingly. You felt life. Why? Because your neurological pathways are built for relational connection it's literally the most pleasurable thing you can do on earth is to become one with Jesus and one with people around Jesus your very anatomy was wired for intimacy I mean they have proved it now they, they can actually they can photograph your brain while it's working and they've now discovered in the right frontal cortex of your brain that when you connect deeply at a heart level in an unconditional loving place it triggers serotonin levels, dopamine levels, all kinds of things that you need to, to be happy. It raises your joy levels so that you can move in another realm and you don't need counterfeit drugs to prop you up or distractions. Now, here's the problem. In America, we're super individualistic and we're highly broken and we've, we've had a breakdown of family and a breakdown of covenant and church has been told us that it's institutional and organizational, and so we have a long way to go to recover this revelation of oneness at a, at a relational level. Do we not? So that's why we're. Go- but we're somebody's going to have to be an early adopter. Somebody is going to have to figure out the world's screwed up, the church is not healthy, and I'm going to. I'm going to embrace this invitation to get better at loving, and I'm going to figure out why I'm not so good at it. I'm going to become I'm going to move from being unconsciously incompetent to being consciously incompetent. That's a really great breakthrough. Seriously, when I meet somebody and all of a sudden it dawns on them they're self-absorbed and narcissistic and their emotional intelligence is at the level of a snail I mean, they're ticking off everybody, they're really turning, they're, they're sucking life out of the room, they're like a vacuum cleaner, a black, a black hole of, of a human being, you feel a sucking sound coming out of them, I'm not putting anybody down, I'm saying, I've done it, you've done it, okay, right, we're just so broken, and we're so desperate, and we're so needy of love, we just, you know, and, and become the center of attention, and We need all this affirmation. And so we, you know, self-promote and we do a thousand things. I've done it, you've done it. All right, so when the day comes, when you go, I don't think that's working for me. Why is it that people scatter when I walk around? (laughs) Why is it that... I'm just not connecting very good. What's going on? I mean, that is the best. The minute you like go, huh. (laughs) (gasps) (gasps) (sighs) (sighs) I mean, that's a great moment. And they go, no, no, not the breath, not the pits. Might be a little deeper than that. That is a great day oh my gosh, now you're going to start saying, I need to get emotionally, relationally intelligent. Now I'm going to give you a verse, Romans 12. And this is is so powerful. (laughs) You guys are having fun. I love making my sister laugh. It's just so fun to get her to giggle. Debbie, I love you so much. You're so cute. 12.9. 12.9. Romans 12.9. This is so cool. Your right frontal cortex of your brain can des- detect whether someone's authentic or not. You can read people. You may not know how sophisticated you are, but you are like, the, that's the fastest computer on earth is the frontal for right f- cortex of your brain. You can read people like a book. Even though though you might be emotionally unintelligent, you can still do that. You can tell whether you're wanted or not, whether you're delighted or in. And so here's what it says in Romans 12. Love must be sincere. Because people smell a fake a, a mile away. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope. Patient in affliction. Faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Whoa, man. Unbelievable. Prefer other people. Practice hospitality. Be sincere in love. Do you notice how they they're dancing in and out of the vertical and the horizontal, the vertical and the horizontal and the vertical and the horizontal? Because in the scripture, in the Hebraic mindset, they're inseparable. The way you treat people reveals the way you treat Jesus. Absolutely. And if there is a mixture in your loving, it will come through. And so the Bible is saying, get demixed. Okay. There's a book out. It's called Agape. Agape Road. By a guy named Bob Mumford. Spiritual papa in the, whole, in the kingdom. I love this guy. Bob Mumford. It's a book about love. It's one of the best books about love written. Agape Road. And in the first part of his book, he starts out describing pure love. And he uses the term Agape. Agape is the best word for love in the scripture. It's the selfless, purest kind of love. It's God's love for you. It's your love for God. It's supernatural. You can't produce agape apart from God. You can't manufacture it out of your soul. You weren't born with it. It's got to come from the other realm. So agape is pure. It's pure from God. It's pure back to God. And it's pure to people. Well, then he breaks out this word that wasn't used a lot in the scripture, really, in, at all. But it was a concurrent word in the Greek and the Roman cultures called eros. And eros is a self-absorption love. It's really, <clears throat> I love me, I say, I say I'm loving you, but I really love that you love me. So it's li- really, I, when, it, when a guy looks at a girl lustful and he goes, man, I love you, baby, what he's really saying is, I lust you, baby, I really want to use you, I want to possess you, you're an object of pleasure for me, but I love you, baby. What it really means is I love me and I'm gonna use you for me. But he says I love you, but he's really so it's deceptive language. And he may actually think I love you because his hormones are flushing through and his testosterone is kicking in. And so he thinks it's love because he's awakened in his in his body and his mind, but he's really it's eros. It's I'm a I'm gonna give to get. Now this mixture of I'm going to give to get is in the church. I mean, pastors have it, I've had it, we've had it. In other words, I want to be. I want to love you, but then all of a sudden, I'd like you to love me back in a way that validates my existence, that, that affirms me, that I have a, I have a, a, a hole in my identity and a, and a vacuum in my soul, and so I am going to give, but I'm going to take as well. So Eros takes, but it takes in a sneaky way. And it's got a little hook in it. Now here's the problem. All of us are walking the planet with mixed agape eros. So what, what he did was he drew an arrow that, that looked like agape, legitimate love, but then he put a hook in the arrow and it comes back. So what throws people off is they sense a pure love coming out of you, and then all of a sudden, boop, hook, I'm kind of taking from you one way or another. And sometimes in the ministry, because our... Because economics get tied up. Ministry can be trapped into thinking, I need to keep the program going and I need to pay my bills. And so sometimes there can slip in a spirit of manipulation and you don't even know you're doing it because you need to maintain a certain lifestyle based upon your ministry. You don't even know you're doing it. It's not like a conscious thing. It's an unconscious thing because our orphaness is a survivor. We're street smart. We're not pure. There's mixture. And when people smell or detect any kind of mixture, it it reduces trust in us as leaders. Or if they feel that they need our affirmation. Like, do you know something so attractive is when you meet somebody that doesn't need you. They don't need your affirmation. They don't need your money. They're so clean and so confident in the love of God that they're absolutely giver-outers in a pure way. I'm telling you, I've never been that kind of person yet. I'm here to admit that. Now I'm trying to grow in that, pure love, but I've never fully arrived consistently in pure agape all the time. Now and then I can detect when there's an insecurity inside of me, now I'm more, I'm more, I'm more consciously competent in the sense that I'm consciously, now I'm aware, I was like, oh, I can feel a little burn, a little conviction, like, oh, Tim, you told the story, you made yourself look a little better in that moment. And you, 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 you're, you're pulling on something. You're pulling on something. And I can feel the burn in my spirit. I can feel the conviction. My, my maturity in the Lord is at the place now. I'm more aware when eros is operative. Well, that's good, right? I mean, so then I, I check myself. Is that, well, I back off. I repent. I go back to the Father go, you know, I'm a little panicked about money right now. And I'm just kind of a little bit there. You, know, Which, by the way, we are going to take an offering. That's, that's not a joke. <laughs> but it's, it's for a whole nother It doesn't affect me whatsoever. <laughs> I get not one dollar. But you are going to take it off. Because what we're going to do is invest in love. We're going to invest in a move of God that plants these micro churches throughout the world. And we need a, 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 a military, uh, an economic platform. Because I, I need to grab Mar- Marcy and Norm. I need, we need to go to places that are really broken and really need this model of loving. I need to grab you. I need to grab Paul. I need to grab all of you. We need to to go together to other cities and start this thing going because it's desperately missing. So eros mixed with agape. Do you see what I'm trying to say? Now what the Bible is saying is strive, be intentional, be proactive, and be aware, be emotionally and relationally aware of when you're a taker, not a giver. Because there is a little narcissistic strain in all of us, a self turned in on self. Would you agree with that? There's enough orphaned insecurity in us to where we're going to be you know, self-concerned over the other person. Well, the Bible teaches, look, grow to the point where they're more important than you are because here's the law of the Spirit. If you sow love, you'll reap it. In other words, just purely give it with no strings attached no hooks, just love the hell out of people, be patient with them, be kind with them, don't let your, you know, most of my anger is I'm annoyed with what, how people are inconveniencing me, it's not pure, it's not my anger isn't pure, it's I'm annoyed that you're making my life a little more miserable, that ticks me off and I wish it would stop it, so now I'm going to have a come to Jesus session to make my life more pleasant, because I'm going to get you to stop your stupid behavior so I don't have to deal with it. Now, that's most conversations around, quote, telling the truth in love. It's not love, it's eros. You get my, you get my point? It's not speaking the truth in love. It's speaking the truth in, I am annoyed that you're ripping off my agenda, or you're undervaluing me, and I don't like that, so, you know... I'm just going to either stop you or kick you out. That is not a parental conversation. That is not a father heart. A father heart says, I adore you. I love you. I see the mixture. The mixture doesn't freak me out. Your dork factor doesn't move me whatsoever. I'm like that, oh, my God, that sin I've never seen in my whole life. Like, oh, my God, I'm repulsed by you. Can you imagine the little girl, oh, my God, you. Now, you're okay, but you, oh, my Lord, you just, like, reek with nastiness seriously most of us think that think that god has a little bit of an edge on him about us or the demonic inspires that irritation in other people toward us and that's a demonic attack against our life god is not repulsed by you whatsoever god is not a, god is not annoyed with you he's not upset with you he's not irritated at you He's not hyperventilating. He doesn't need to fix you right away. He loves you just the way you are. And he's going to assign people to reveal what he's like. Eventually. <laughs> He'll get around to it. I mean, he's working on it. Maybe he's, maybe he's inviting you to be that kind of person. Which means you've got to get over your orphanage first because if you're giving a get, people are going to smell you a mile away. It's like, oops, mixture mixture and they're going to step back one step in their heart now they'll they'll act nice they'll act nice they'll hug you they'll love you they'll be kind they'll be cordial but inside themselves there's going to be a wall up of self-protection because they know that your irritation or your annoyance or your disgust isn't coming from heaven you're not safe you're not safe okay so what are we going for we're going for you to be the kind of person, this is what God's talking to you about, being the kind of person that you reveal what Jesus is like to every person you meet consistently all the time. When people meet you, they meet Jesus. And you're not, the, you're not an expert on their false self and on their, their bad habits that need fixing. Because you don't even, Jesus is not even sin conscious at this point because he's already taken your sin and put him on the cross. He's not sitting around thinking about what a creep you are. He's actually already dealt with that. All the judgments, all the sins that you ever committed came on to Jesus. You died in Christ. So all he wants to talk about is your true self and how much he's basically going to expand more of himself and the bad sin habits. But he's not going to get the bad sin habits out of you by harping on them all the time. That's a very bad parent. Let me just tell you one more way of how you suck and what you need to get your... and and. and and, and how you need to get your act together. That is not how God fathers. That is not how God fathers. How does God father? He will, keep t- he will displace the darkness with light. You don't get crap out of a person by focusing on the crap. You focus on the gospel of the good news of the love of God and God begins to fill the person up in those vacuums of orphanness. Keep telling somebody they're a creepy orphan and watch what happens. You suck. You suck. You're a creep. You're a creep. I mean, Just go along and tell. And the more you add you oughts and you shoulds, the more you activate their false self, you put rules on top of the false self, you know what you're going to get? A monster. Here's the two kinds of monsters. You're either going to get a self-righteous monster, somebody that actually got a little more discipline in their life, because out of fear they conformed to your laws, and now they're arrogant because they think if I did it, you can too. And everybody should do it. So they go around, you know, telling everybody, you know, get their act together. That that's the worst monster in the scripture, is a Pharisee monster. It's the elder brother monster. The other kind of monster is despair. I, 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 I know I suck. You just reminded me one more time, you reinforce what an orphan and a creep I am. I'm a qu- I'm going to quit. I'm going to I'm going to be basically the unrighteous one. I'm just gonna, if I can't make it in the in the church world by being good enough, I'm just going to F you. I'm sorry, but that's what it is. That's what happens. People just kind of they check out and they go out and they just lose it. They just go off the deep end and they they uh, Medicate themselves with a thousand options. I mean, you know you can you, you can medicate yourself with a Euclear donut just as much as you can with weed. <laughs> I'm saying it. Ice cream can be your drug of choice. Just ask me. <laughs> oh God, I gotta make a ice cream run, sweetheart. Tim, it's one in the morning. Some places open. Some places open. I mean, you know what I'm saying, because if I'm not cl- crystal clear about that I'm, I'm, I'm medicating something that's missing, if I'm, it's not, you know, there's nothing evil about ice cream, okay? What's evil is when ice cream is replacing Jesus. So, so let's not get self-righteous. You know, there's the acceptable sins in the church, and then there's the unacceptable ones. And so, so when somebody comes along and says, you're so repulsive, I've got to, fire you and kick you out because you just haven't made the grade. I've spotted your orphaness. I've seen your hooks. I've seen the places of your eros. And uh, you're you're disqualified. And I've watched the church do it over and over and over again to good people. And it tears my heart. It's been done to me. In some ways or another, I've done it to others. This thing has got to stop. You don't solve an eros hook by being repulsed and pulled back and rejecting and throwing somebody out, you solve it by bombarding them with more love, with more revelation, and speaking the truth in love goes, hey, listen, just a second here. I'm your dad, and I love you so much. You, you are not threatened by me at all. You don't have to be scared. There's a blind spot that you may not be aware of. There's, there's some unfinished business. God wants to de-orphan you in this area of your life. Don't worry. It's okay. It's all right. Don't freak out. Don't panic. No fear. So It's all right. I've got them too. That's very important to say. I've got them too. Maybe mine are covered up with a pretty, you know, whatever, a pretty personality or, you know, a new suit. But I've got them too. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to gospel you, gospel you, gospel you, gospel you, gospel you with grace. Now, why am I talking like this? Because if you're going to enter the world of a Jesus movement, in Jesus' tribes, doing Jesus' kingdom, we've got to embrace Jesus' culture, Jesus' way of relating to people. The biggest mistake I've ever made in this room, starting the Rock Tribe, are you ready for it? The biggest mistake Tim John's ever made in his leadership. I'm here to announce to the whole world, are you ready? I'm going to tell the world right now, and uh, hopefully we're recording this. I, I'm going to own this. This is the absolutely biggest mistake I have ever made. And you're thinking, oh, you know, I looked at a woman, or oh, I, you know, drank to it. No, not even close. It's way worse than that. The biggest mistake I've ever made is to send a sound of heaven out to become covenant family and not equip the people with a true gospel of grace and teach them how to relate to one another as their true self. And I allowed mixed grace into the house, which, uh, which caused people to quote parent people with criticism and negativity. I did not, I was not crystal clear on these tools that we've received from any like Graham Cook or like the normal Christian life. I was not crystal clear on the gospel of grace and I did not train young leaders in how to operate this way and I myself modeled some mixture in being critical, being confrontive in a wrong way and I thought that was the way you did it because I was parented so badly that I thought I was awesome. I mean, I thought I was gentle and kind but I still, I still did not understand that the best way to parent is to only talk to the true self and never to the false self. And so I let people talk to the false selves and others as leaders, talk to the false selves and instead, and eventually that little animal came around and bit me, boom, in the rear. The boomerang of my poor leadership in this department went and the guy goes, you sowed your reap, buddy. Here it comes. Here it comes. I'm like, what do you mean here it comes? Like, I'm an awesome father. I got a family. I got a doctoral in this th- topic. I know what I'm doing, father. Bam! Right in the head. Knock me out. Because spiritual sons said, oh, if that's the rules, I'll play by those rules. And went, bam! And they held court on me. I'm like, how dare you hold court on me? I'm awesome. They go, yeah, but we saw some eros. We saw some eros. We saw some mixture. We saw some, you know, some, uh, you know, this and that. I said, what do you mean? I'm down here in the hood. I've given my life away. I've, I've owned, and they go, well, you know, but we saw eros, and so we're holding court. You are guilty. We kick you out of your own house. The pain of that was so immense so devastating i was down for the count for so long because i could not break the code i could not figure out what the heck went wrong and i don't believe god was in that one bed i don't believe god was in the division i don't believe god was in that but i will say this i have learned a ton from it my life will never be the same again and if all that pain comes up to this one moment in time when I can articulate to you the culture of heaven that must exist when you call out the, the sound of heaven for family. If you don't teach these people how to be nice under pressure, the most dangerous place in the world is a dysfunctional religious family. Better stay away. I would avoid it as well. The worst places I've ever been is in a, is, is in a, a, in a judgmental, legalistic small group. The last thing I'm going to give my life away for is to get people into relationships where they can get beat up and judged and criticized and condemned. And I let an open door of that spirit in this place at the foundation. And the Lord goes, oh my God, I've got to stop this in its tracks. Because Tim, you are anointed. You are anointed. You know how to build family. You are gifted. You are called. You are going to be a leader in the body of Christ. And that mixture, you cannot take one more. I will not let you take that to the next season of your life. The most dangerous place on earth is a religious family. Because it's witchcraft. It's absolute witchcraft. I as the all-knower one. Witchcraft is manipulating and controlling. It's, it's cursing someone. It says, I see who you are. I see your negative self. So I'm going to burp up my, my diagnosis of your life. And then I'm going to uh, and then I'm gonna distance myself from you. And I'm going to tell other people to be careful about you, to watch out for you. And to keep avoiding, which is slander and murder. And then I'm going to speak a curse over your life. You sucketh. Whenever... A member of the body of Christ communicates negatively about someone else that is witchcraft you have cursed them you understand witchcraft doesn't involve a voodoo doll and a pen you know and conjuring stuff up with the devil witchcraft is when you impose your will on the will of another when your soul that's irritated starts speaking negatively about someone else, you unleash demonic energy. That is a curse, that is witchcraft. So, how dangerous is that to get people up and around each other that have negative opinions about one another, will willing to talk behind the back and willing to go. La, 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 la. Well, we gotta process this with someone else. We gotta, you know, triangulate and we gotta, you know, work it out so we can go to them. That's that way of communicating that way of thinking that that's even optional sets people up for destruction and no wonder people are avoiding us they don't want anything to do with us we're the most dangerous place on earth because we cop an attitude about them we've got an opinion about them we want to talk to them about external things like hey man do you drink do you not drink do you smoke weed do you not smoke hey are you having an affair what's your sexual preference you know, are you this or are you that? We have all kinds of ways of dis- judging people when all God sees is this child inside of that broken person and He wants them to get out. But we held court on them. We've got opinions that God doesn't even have. So we align with the accuser of the brethren, so we take on courtroom cases and become the prosecuting attorney the judge the jury and the executioner's all in one and we think that's okay in the name of god we've done god a big favor i'm not going to play anymore in that i'm not going to swim in that cesspool never again by the grace of god Do I slip now and then? Does my attitude get, you know, a little, yeah, I can, I'm not, I haven't, uh uh-uh, I haven't got it all together yet, but I'm telling you, through the pain that I've experienced, through the things that I've gone through now, the scars that are all over my body and all over my wife's heart, which is even worse, because she is the gentlest, kindest person I've ever met she's the most loyal person and when she watches her husband who gave his life away and she knows what I live she knows when I get up in the morning and when I go to bed at night and the kind of suffering package I have And so when she sees that persecution coming at her husband and she is powerless to do anything about it she started shutting down and depressing, her hair started falling out her hormones got wacko you know she's still medic getting, getting getting helpful medication to help her recover her health For what we went through five six seven years ago it's that damaging it's that dangerous because leaders anybody that goes into the middle of a group of people they're the bullseye target of hell and now a thousand people have a a witchcraft against them see i want to i don't want to be too weird about this but there's a good chance that half of you in this room not even knowing it not even wanting to do it just having conversations about me personally have been practicing witchcraft on me because you have expectations that went unmet and you're annoyed at me and so you burp up your opinions and then that hits me, Demo- demons are then allowed to hit me through the conversations that you've had. So my number one problem is with the body of Christ it's not with the unbeliever now I'm not this is not me chewing you out guess what, because I've done it So I don't think you're bad, I'm simply saying I'm not, I'm not annoyed, I'm not mad I'm just saying the most dangerous place in the world is to be in leadership. So when I invite somebody to come up and step up and be a microchurch leader with a bunch of orphaned people with opinions, all hell breaks loose against them. Just ask Paul Weiss. I, you say, yeah, that's what Paul says. Well, hell no. Paul, I just asked you to be a microchurch leader. Come on, man, I'm your leader. I think I'm here in front of the Lord. Are you kidding me? Why would I do that? I'm not stupid, Tim. I'm not going to suffer that much and, and have people throw their crap at me, their spiritual crap at me. Okay, so now this is not, oh, poor me. This is not, oh, poor Paul. This is not, oh, poor you. This is about getting insight into how God is changing the expression of Christendom in this generation. Do you understand there's, you have no option but to get in close proximity with other people. You don't have that option. You've heard the Bible. We're to be the body of Christ, organically connected. That means porous membranes where life is exchanged or it isn't living. I'm not talking about what, you know, most people, that they're like amputees. They're sticking on limbs and then taking them off at night. Sticking on limbs. That's the church. Sticking on limbs and taking them off at night. They're not connected organically. It's superficially. You get my point? The minute you get in close then you can hurt. You can hurt me. Now, if we don't set the rules up very clearly on what constitutes healthy family, we're going to be dead in five years. We're going to have another split. We're going to have another ousting. We're going to have another this and another that. It will not make it unless we get the gospel very, very, very very clear. And we understand the grace of God. We understand that we're in the throne room and not the courtroom any longer. We go, no more courtroom, no more prosecuting attorneys, no more critical, no more judging. The door is shut, locked, burned. The courtroom's gone. You can't take it. You can't take one more courtroom experience. My wife can't take one more courtroom experience. Is that right? Like she goes, I don't got one more in me, Tim. Yeah, don't judge my wife for what she isn't. See, a lot of people think, well, you're the, you know, you're the apostle's wife. You've got to be as relationally charismatic and available as he is, and she's an introvert and an intercessor. So she shows up all the prayer meetings. She was all at the house church, but she was quieter. She was a little more focused. She was a little more discerning. But oh no, no, we have a. She was told, "We're a single parent family because you aren't giving us what we want. You're a failure." I'm telling you, we get offended by what people are and what people aren't. We've got opinions we think we know what we're talking about we think we have the right to burp up that stuff and i'm going to tell you it's gaseous nauseous noxious hell kind of gas it comes straight out of the bowels of hell the accuser is good at what he does and he knows how to trip you into being negative and opinionated and that is evil before the sight of god because god has already judged all sin and he put it on jesus christ the judgment has already happened So Jesus did not come to judge the world. He came to take the sin of the world away. And we are no longer called to go to court over anybody, including ourselves. You know, you can do more witchcraft on yourself than other people can. All right, so I am putting this on tape. Hopefully we recorded this. I almost feel like this needs to be a new members class. Required listener listening because if you're going to come through the front door into a family as a son or daughter into this family, we will not tolerate witchcraft, or negativity, or criticism, or judgment. A lot of people are very gifted discerners and you're problem solvers. You guys have a real problem on your hands. You smart people that are discerning and problem solvers. You prophetically oriented people. You've got the biggest problem to overcome because you can spot the false self and you can spot eros a mile away but on the other hand you have the greatest potential to change people why why because you're called to not tear them down but to build them up with the revelation that you have and so you rather than go to um Uh, you go out of um, you go out of uh, what's I've got this phrase I use all the time you go from from your revelation and into intercession quickly when you spot something nasty you turn it to intercession and go God where that negative thing is replace it with a good thing wash it out so you don't focus on the nasty, you focus on the exact opposite and pray it down on them. So if, they, if you see where they stinketh or where there's a hidden issue, go, okay, I got it now. I now know how to pray for them. Not how to criticize, but to how to intercede. And you turn your brilliant insight into intercession. That's what I want. Insight into intercession. And you can become the most powerful person on earth. That is the role of a New Testament prophet. An Old Testament prophet says you sucketh, you didn't keep the law, and God is angry. A New Testament prophet says, I represent Jesus, I see where the law is inoperative, I'm going to now unleash the anointing of God and rebuild you from the inside out. Completely opposite. How you act on one side of the cross versus how you act on the other side of the cross, night and day. So you prophetic, intelligent, amazing, diagnostically skilled people, We need you more than ever. But we don't need you to be the resident critic. We need you to be the resident intercessor who rescues people from blind spots they'll never see unless you pray. There's there's prophetic people. I just, I don't tend to see... What is obvious to, let's say, Mike Whited is not obvious to me. He's got that grace. What may be obvious to you, Jamie, is not obvious to me. I just don't see things because I'm just wired a little different. But I love the diagnostic skills. All I need is you to partner with me and go, Tim, I'm partnering with you. I'm a daughter. I'm a friend. I'm a buddy. I'm going to help rescue that person with intercession. I'm like, now we're going to watch the lords of the world get liberated. Now, how fun is that? You're going to pray more best friends into your life because you approach life just like this that's why you're so anointed by the way someone came to me sam matthews and said that jamie last night he said i saw jamie in the spirit i saw a massive angel floating all over her and tim he goes who are the no he kept further who is that couple what is that i think her name it starts with a j it starts with a j and i said something about her is staggering she's got an angel floating all over a massive one i don't know if he talked to you about this and then he said it to you, Tim, and he, he made me, pulled me aside and said, you need to note this couple I said, I've already noted them. <laughs> it's not hard to, it's, they're not hard to miss because of the anointing that you carry. So usually the higher anointing you have for government, the more discernment you have in some of those areas and you've gotta be very careful with what you see. You've gotta handle the fragileness of people very well. If you slip into that place of criticism, You're out of divine order, and you're not operating in your anointing. So you've got to steward your anointing with great clarity. And that means you've got to get healed up from all the negative BS that was thrown at you, including you're your own worst enemy. The people that I meet that are very prophetically wired, they're harder on themselves than anybody else. And it's like, gosh, give yourself a break and gospel yourself today. All right, we're going to go to lunch. But I had this in me. I had to share this. I had to get this out into the open spirit world because I believe this Jesus gathering, we're crossing a line in the spirit. And we have put people in, in, in leadership that are relationally mixed and, and awkward and they're, and they're dangerous because they're unaware of how much damage they cause just by being themselves. But the, but the standard of eldership in the Rock Tribe is not just how much Bible you can quote, but how well you can love. Do you understand what I'm saying? And love requires relational skills. You've gotta be able to anticipate how you're coming off to someone in advance if you're gonna be a good leader. Like, I know how my behavior is gonna affect persons. You're so self-aware that you're not, you know, you're unconsciously now competent. That's the goal to get. Unconsciously competent in relational skills that you're so sharp, that that your intelligence is so good, that you know intuitively the influence that you're having in a good or bad way. And you can preempt things in advance by how you're operating. That is a good elder. And I'm here to say that is the skill I'm calling up in all of you. It's a good thing to aspire to be an elder. But if you want to be an, if you want to eld in this group, start elding. And how do you start elding? By loving the hell out of people, and gospeling them, and watching them grow under your influence. We need you to become an elder. We need you to become a deacon. We need you to be awesome at loving. We are so, there's such a vacuum of leadership in the church of this caliber. We need you to be moms and dads of this magnitude. This is the kind of people that need to run missional kingdom families emotionally and relationally intelligent people that think better and better about other people first Romans 12 would you stand I'd like to deputize. if you're interested in becoming like this then that I would like you to in the spirit there's going to be a transaction in the spirit this morning I'm not kidding you seriously I have I've been given a grace for God he said Paul says I come and I can impart spiritual gifts. Okay, you can't impart the fruit of the Spirit in the sense that you can lay hands on someone and give them patience. That's, that's grown in the context of relationship. But you can impart a grace to cultivate relational love and relational skill and the ability and desire to love well. Are you interested in this? Okay, then kind of step into the aisle then. If you signify by stepping forward, there you go. Again, I am not saying that I'm all that great at this. But if you're interested in, in getting better at loving and then, and then helping to facilitate love in other people. Okay, great. Now don't feel like you're being left out. If you don't do this, then I, I, actually, I actually encourage people to hold off and don't do this. You know, until they're ready. It's called count the cost. But you're going to be, you're going to feel the Lord after this prayer. I'm serious. You're going to feel the Lord moving you rapidly into uh, the agape road of excellence and loving. Some of it won't be comfortable, but most of it will be awesome. I mean, seriously awesome. So here you go. Put your hands out. The receiving position is Graham Cook. Assume the position. (laughs) Assume the position. Only that wasn't English. I need English. I need English. British. Here we go. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, loose the revelation of the of the throne room of grace. Loose the revelation of the finished work of the cross. Loose the revelation of the powerful blood of Jesus Christ that covers our sin. Loose the revelation that we're sons and daughters pure in your sight. Loose the revelation of the gospel of grace. Loose the desire to love people like Jesus loves them. Loose the grace to operate in relational intelligence, emotional intelligence. Loose the reality of heaven on earth in the the skin of heaven. Destroy the works of the evil one. Destroy the accuser of the brethren, the slanderer the gossiper, the, the, the bad-newser, the critic. Destroy the courtroom in our own heart and in our own mind. We, we sever the court and the, and the accuser from us in the mighty name of Jesus. We put the blood of Jesus between us and the accuser of the brethren and all of his nastiness, all of his negativity. I break the spirit of religious rationalizations that say, I can use my discernment to pick out what people are not. I break that deception in Jesus' name. I release onto this people the prophetic grace to use their prophetic insight to rebuild people's lives, to good news them, to release intercession over them so that they grow into Christ's likeness. I pray, God, that you get the blurry lines out of this house dismantle the mixture that is in all of our hearts including my own and produce pure grace in the atmosphere of this place so that when people meet us they know they're in the safest place on earth right now right here we are a judgment-free rejection-free safe place where people can be transparent they can open their lives And never be judged, never be criticized, never be condemned, never be uh, accused in the mighty name of Jesus. We believe that your gospel is more powerful than our criticisms. We believe good news displaces bad news. We believe that that is your methodology for raising people. And so when we do speak the truth in love, it's through the father heart, not as an annoyed critic. Who is inconvenienced? And I loose that father and mother heart of God to you right now in Jesus' mighty name, and may you experience the ador- uh, the adoring affection of the Father who loves you as you are. He sees you perfect in Jesus. You are perfect in Jesus. He loves you as much as he loves his son. He is not looking upon your sin or weakness. He is looking upon you as his son. Now. All you are missing is more of Him in your life. He's not into sin management, and He's not sin conscious. All of that got handled. And here's your verse, Galatians 2.20. I want you to repeat after me and we'll be done. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Now, let me explain that. Your false self does no longer live. You've been crucified with Christ. Your first Adamic self died with Christ. Are you dead? Yes. Doubly dead. Yes. Really dead? Yes. Absolutely. You died 2,000 years ago with Christ. So stop trying to kill your old man. Christ already killed your old man. Now, you can deny yourself. That's different. That's just love. But you don't kill your false self. It's already been killed for you. God put you in Christ. He killed you in Christ. Just like you were in first Adam, you were in the last Adam. He killed you in Christ. So here we go. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loves me and gave himself for me. He gave himself. Amen. 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 Woo! We got an army of lovers right now. This will take the world. This will take the world. You understand how powerful this is? Oh my goodness! Okay, we got to go to lunch because now we need fortified. After all this, I love you all. I love you all. We're gonna be. We're gonna be back here tonight. Kind of milling around, loving each other at six thirty. We're going to kick into worship at seven. It's going to be off the charts, awesome tonight. Lunch announcement. You guys, lunch is same as yesterday. It's in the basement. We we've got the main dish is fried chicken, but we do have a gluten free thing. I'm the I'm the Rebecca substitute. She had to step out of the room. Um, we, it's the same thing. We're asking. Uh, we have a suggested donation of five dollars. If you don't have it, please eat with us anyway. If you have a dollar, put it in. If you have ten dollars, put it in. Ha, <laughs> But uh, please eat with us. Don't worry about the. Also, if you could throw up the text to give number to invest in this revolution that we're going after. The text to give number. Oh, right on. Was that you, Michael? Dude. War chest. I just want to pray in tongues right now. Kuraba. <laughs> Adrian, we get to have lunch on Wednesday. Yeah.